Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A day six of the World Cup, England and USA play out a draw. Iran leaves it late against Wales and Qatar has been eliminated. I'm your host, Amy Duggan. This is the Optus Sport Football Podcast. Let's get into the Gagan Pod. Absolutely awesome to be joined by our panel of former World Cup players today. We're joined by Tommy Orr, one of the only Socceroos to ever wear triple digits in an international. We'll jump into that in just a minute, Tommy. Welcome, Thomas Sorensen, 101 caps for Denmark, including two World Cup appearances in 02 and 2010. Great to have you guys with us. And Mark Schwarzer will, of course, be chiming in from Qatar as well. Tommy Orr, let's go back to you for just two minutes. Tell us the story behind the number 121. Yeah, so it was my um, my debut for the Socceroos actually, and it was a, a qualifier for the Asian Cup against Indonesia. And I, I don't never really fully understood, but I think before the uh, the qualifiers began, they had to register all kind of players that were eligible. And this was maybe eighteen months before my debut, and I was only eighteen at the time. So I, I'm assuming they thought that I would never get in the team. So. You think you were probably, like on the list of 122 uh, players? <laughs> exactly. So I was probably 121st on the list of of preferences, and then after a good season, they they weren't allowed to change my jersey number. So that that was it, really. Did you and, get um, to keep it? Yep, it's the only um, Socceroos jersey I've got framed at my house, actually. So oh, wow. What a story yeah. to go with it. Awesome <laughs> yeah. stuff. All right, let's uh, let's fast forward to 2022. Uh, we're through the first round and into the second round of group games at the World Cup. We kicked off this morning with a 6 a.m. start, England taking on USA. I was gearing up for a big one, a couple of great teams, enthusiastic uh, midfields going head-to-head, and I've been left sorely disappointed. What... Tommy uh, Sorensen, were your first thoughts after yet another goalless game? Yeah, I definitely thought England sort of came uh, back down to earth after that uh, 6-2 win against Iran. I thought uh, the US team um, had a, a great, uh, you know, tactical setup. Um, you know, the way they sort of eliminated Saka and Sterling on the side, um, you know, just doubling them up all the time. Uh, Robinson, I thought, at left back was was tremendous, and and Dest as well on on the right hand side. You know, just winning those one on one battles, and there was only a couple of times in the first half where they got in behind. So, and and then with Kane dropping deep, uh, there was there was not really any threat down through the middle, and uh, and I thought that he offered a fair bit going forward as well. Uh, you know, obviously Pulisic hitting the the bar in the first half. So I thought overall, you know, probably the U.S. team shaded it a bit. I thought England, you know, left a bit out there, didn't quite perform as, as well as they did in the first one. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, um, yeah, I think we touched on the U.S. the other day and how, how unlucky they were maybe in their first game not to get the win. But, yeah, in this game, they, they kind of backed it up and maybe took it to another level again. And I think the energy that we talked about the other day as well, that the energy they brought to the game was something that England lacked. And I thought that, you know, that enthusiasm, that, that they outplayed England in that sense. And 
I mean, if you're not going to be up for the fight, it's always going to be a difficult game. And I thought that, yeah, as Tom, Thomas just said, it was definitely um, brought England back down to earth after their fast start against Iran. Well, England only having the two shots that really tested uh, the USA keeper. So it was not an attacking game in that sense. And it would have, uh, could have really done with a goal that game, I think, Tommy. Definitely. I think, um, I think a lot of teams are approaching the games, um, you know, as, as ones that maybe they can't afford to lose as opposed to really taking the game by the scruff of the neck and going for the win. You know, um, if the US lost this game, it would have been really difficult for them to progress. But, um, yeah, you know, you know, a point wasn't bad. And England's the same. Obviously, for them, they would have been expected to win this game. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of teams are maybe going into the, into the matches with that kind of mindset. Yeah, no, the... You know, England, you only really had that Mason Mount shot, uh, which uh, Matt Turner really uh, got down well to his right-hand side and, and palmed it round. Um, you know, again, Kane went missing again. Um, you know, I, I, we saw it a bit at the Euros as well. The, you, know, the, you know, he drops deep, and, and, but he's not there really in the box to, to be the finisher that he's, you know, that he's meant to be. I think he's, he's got a different role in, in this England team. And uh, today, I think they, they just lack someone there in the middle just to, you know, just to compete against Ream and Zimmerman. For them, it was, you know, they, they really had a, an easy day at the office. What it does do, though, is set up a tantalising clash between the USA and Iran for second spot in this group and progression in that third group game. Something to look forward to, Tommy. Definitely. I think all to play for in that last game. And, um, yeah, obviously, with everything on the line, hopefully we don't see see you know a stalemate again. I think that'll um, yeah in the, in the third match in the third matches of all the groups actually we'll see the games open up a lot more. Let's go back then to first up on day six, where Wales faced Iran. They battled it out. I think uh, Thomas Sorensen, this was somewhat of a surprise result for many. Yeah, no, I, you know, again, I think Iran, you know, totally turned it around after the, the disappointment in the first game. I thought they were tremendous in this one. Um, you know, the, the, the top two with Taremi and Asmoon, I think, is a real handful. And I, th- I think just energy-wise, well, we've talked about it a, a few times. You know, there, there's teams that have come into this tournament and, and are just throwing everything at it. And, and in this one, you, you could sense that there was, you know, there was, there was a, you know, they had to, you know, put in a different performance than, than the England game. And uh, I, I thought they totally outplayed uh, Wales uh, in, in this one hit the, the post, uh, the bar, you know, that it took that long to, to get the two goals, uh, you know, it, they should have come a lot earlier and, and Wales were really on the back foot for, for most of the game. They certainly were and they now need to defeat England to stand any chance of progressing. Tommy Orr, I'm going to throw you under the bus here because <laughs> wasn't Wales your dark horse? What's happened? <laughs> they were and... um yeah, I mean, yeah, if, if I think of Wales, you know, over the last few years, I, I come to think of a team that, you know, they're, they're going to compete and it's going to be a really tough contest. They're going to be physical. And like Thomas just said, they're going to they're be one of the teams that throws everything at it. But in this tournament, they, they haven't really seen that, uh, which is uncharacteristic of them, I think. And, you know, obviously they've got some, albeit ageing, world-class players, but, you know, in the likes of Ramsey and Bale, um, some yeah, players that can make a difference, but they've been... Yeah, almost. Yeah, haven't really seen them at all in this tournament. They have. They had no impact on the game last night, and I think that's definitely been an issue for Wales. Is you know they they've got these fantastic players, but they're not not necessarily bringing the energy that's needed to compete with their opponents. And um, yeah, going into the last game, that's definitely something they're going to have to address.
So Wales not being at a World Cup for 64 years before this tournament and we could, you know, say it, it could have been longer than that without the likes of those players you're talking about, Gareth Bale and um, Aaron Ramsey, yet they've probably been, as you said, their two worst players in this tournament. Uh, their coach has alluded to this in his post-match interview. He said Wales can't afford to carry one or two players. So Thomas Sorensen, how long can legendary status keep you in a team for? You know what? I, I think you know. Looking at this Wales squad, <laughs> looking at this Wales squad, like if you you know, we can have a discussion about Ronaldo at Portugal because they got so many great players even on the bench. Uh, but but looking at the Wales bench, you know, there's only you, know, you got the young Brennan Johnson at, at Nottingham Forest. Uh, Daniel James, who's now at Fulham on loan. Uh, but looking at everything else, it's championship, it's even first division players. And, you know, you, you do need quality at the World Cup. And, and it does come, you know, with a trade-off. And, and that's obviously legs. Uh, and I think it's something that we haven't touched on yet. But I think that two o'clock afternoon kickoff that Wales had, um, you know, it's a tough one because you're playing in 30 degrees and, and yes, there might be a bit of air conditioning in the stadium. And, but we will also see it tonight with, with the Socceroos. You know, they're also playing at two o'clock against uh, an African team. And, uh, you, know, you know, it seems to have an effect on some of these European teams. They can't bring the same energy. Uh, Tommy, if you were Rob Page, what changes would you make ahead of that game against England and are they a better chance without uh, a couple of those big names? I think I agree with Thomas. I think it's difficult to leave them out because, you know, you're, you're leaving out some of your most likely avenues to goal. You know, if you take out Gareth Bale at Ramsey, I don't really see where their goals will come from. But I think tactically you look at their games and they've been completely overrun in the midfield. And um, obviously last night we saw Joe Allen come on um, and he, he was missing in the first game. But, you know, obviously he's an ageing player as well. But I think he brings a little bit more composure on the ball than some of the, the players that they have playing in there at the minute. And, um, yeah, I think that, you know, if he's fit enough, he has to come in in, the, in that final game against England. And, you know, I, I can't... I think it's going to be difficult for them to get a good result in that game. But, um, yeah, I think tactically they need to gonna have, have to look at, you know, shaking things up and trying to get a bit more control of the ball. And... Um, yeah, shake up the midfield a bit. And we'll hopefully see some goals in that match against England. I'm not sure they're going to belong to the Welsh players, though, Tommy. Um, there's my two cents. All right. The Netherlands and Ecuador played out a one-all draw. At least this one had goals, happily. A couple of goals in there for us. Cody Gapko got on the score sheet for the Netherlands. Um, great stat here. He's the second most prolific player in Europe after Erling Haaland. So the question comes, is he who Manchester United should be looking at to replace Ronaldo? I think it's a tough one. Um, you know, he, he does, you know, he's an attacking player, but is he different than Rashford? Um, you know, I think if United were looking at a player, then they need an out-and-out out number nine uh, striker. Um, you know, he, he would be a great complement to, to the players they have. Um, but is he the, the, the player that's going to change everything for United? I'm not too sure. I think he's a great talent. Uh, I had him as, as one of the, the, the young stars along with Musiala of, of this tournament and he's had a good start. Um, but yeah, it depends on the cost. I'm, I'm sure he's gonna, he's gonna command a, 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 a big, big, uh, big figure after this World Cup if he continues this form. Tommy, what did you make of the game? Yeah, I actually thought that, uh, Ecuador was probably much better, more impressive than the Dutch team in this game. Um, Obviously, yeah, it was a fantastic goal from Gakpo the first, you know, in the first three minutes. It was 
unbelievable strike. But after that, I thought Ecuador completely dominated the game and were unlucky not to win, probably. And, um, yeah, in the Dutch press, they've been pretty critical of, of the game from the Dutch perspective. And I think that I think that in the first game as well, I think a lot of people are underestimating Ecuador in this tournament. You know, they play with so much energy and enthusiasm and um, like we touched on before with the other the other sides. But they have that quality as well. And you saw with Ena Valencia scoring again, um, they've obviously, you know, they're more than capable in the box. But I think, you know, looking at their tournament going forward, obviously Valencia went off injured at the end. And, you know, if he's unable to continue, I think that'll be a massive loss for them. You want to change your dark horse now, do you, to Ecuador? <laughs> Just keep jumping from horse to horse. You know? <laughs> Anything to add to that, Tommy? You know, again, I think, you know, it just shows that Ecuador is also tactically astute. They changed their formation to, to a back three. And, and I think it just released, especially Stupian from on that left-hand side. I thought he, he was tremendous. He, had, uh, he was involved in a fair few of the, the you know, crosses, free kicks. Um, and then, like, Plata hit the, hitting the, the bar at the end as well. So I thought, I agree with Tommy. Uh, I think they, they probably should have won this game. I think they'll be the most disappointed. And, and the Dutch... Just a bit underwhelming. I don't think they were quite the team that we thought they were, at least up, not up, up until this point. Mm, and Ecuador, of course, with Enna Valencia now leading the golden boot at this stage, probably not a name that we had on our golden boot list, not on mine, that was for sure. He's been uh, wonderful to watch. Let's go to the Qatar and Senegal game because this loss for Qatar sees them eliminated now from the World Cup. Um, it is the earliest elimination by a host side after two games and only the second ever host nation to go out in the group stage, the other one being South Africa, of course, back in 2010. They spent $1.3 billion to build the Aspire Academy. They've brought in the best youth, youth coaches from around the world. They've had this team together now for well over six months heading into uh, Qatar 22. And Tommy Orr, I want to ask you this. What impact will their exit have on the rest of the tournament? Yeah, I think that the host country performing well at a World Cup, it's always, you know, one of the main narratives in the tournament. You know, you, everybody's closely following how the home nations are going to go. But I think it, it is exactly that. It's only one of the narratives. I, I don't see it having a big impact on the rest of the tournament, you know, from, from a fan's perspective or these types of things or the atmosphere on the ground because, you know, there's still so much to play for and so much excitement to be had. And I'm sure from the Qatari perspective, they'll be really disappointed with their tournament. But, you know there's finals to play and there's so many more exciting moments ahead that I don't really see it having a big impact on the tournament overall. Did you, um, obviously you went to 2010 where you witnessed South Africa being eliminated in the group stage. Um, I know Australia was too, but did you notice a drop off from um, the general sentiment around the public or numbers to grounds or talk or street chatter uh, when the host nation was dropped out? I mean, yeah, for sure. Of course, you know, the, the, the locals, they obviously were really excited to watch their team perform in a World Cup. And I remember the first game of that World Cup, you know, South Africa, the, the first goal they scored was a fantastic goal. And just the buzz that that gave was probably one of the standout moments of the tournament. So it's always a little bit sad to see that, see the, the, you know, the host nation you know, fall out. But again, I don't, I don't think it really affected the tournament. You know, you move on and after looking at, you know, the, the, the exciting games to come and in South Africa it was like that as well, you know, having watched some of the fantastic matches, you know, the Spanish team and how they played in that tournament, you know, I think it was quickly forgotten and everybody's kind of just excited for the matches that do go ahead. 
I just want to like just add to that. I think one of the the positives in South Africa was there was less sailors in the ground after South Africa. Yeah, <laughs> that, one, that was probably one of the downsides of that World Cup, just listening to that sound all the time. But uh, yeah, and no, again, Qatar. I think um, you know, I think they actually showed better in the, in this game. I thought they were unlucky not to to you know get a penalty in the first half. I don't know how that wasn't a penalty. He was totally run down a thief in the box. Um, you know, they showed a bit of quality later on, but again, you know, just, you can't give away these goals, you know, like, uh, Kuki, uh, you know, the way he tries to clear it, I don't know what he's doing. And I think it's just been a lack of quality all around, uh, you know, the goalkeeping we talked about, they changed the keeper for this game. He looked a bit shaky as well. And, it, you know, individually, they're just not good enough. I think that's the, that's the problem. Uh, so yeah, I think deservedly they're out at this point. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, welcome back to the Gagan Potters. We now take a look ahead at Day 7 action and we can't start anywhere else but with the biggest match for us Aussies, Australia taking on Tunisia. Uh, Schwartzy, you've been in camp. What is the latest? I'm here at the World Cup Media Centre and it's not long now before Australia's vital second match against Tunisia. And the news from the Socceroos camp is that Nathaniel Atkinson is out with an ankle injury and Graham Arnold confirmed that Fran Karasic will replace him at right back. When I asked him if Aiden Rusic was ready to start, this is what he had to say. Yeah, look, he's, uh, he's getting there. He trained uh, well tonight. Um, he's recovered well. He's uh, mentally and, and physically in good shape. Um, tomorrow, as he's as said, tomorrow will be a very, very physical game. The Tunisians like a physical game. We've got to match that, the physical aspect of it. So, um, but he's in good shape. I'm, of course, hoping for a Socceroos win. If they can replicate how they started the game against France for the entire 90 minutes, they stand a good chance in doing so. However, we know Tunisia, with their pace and physical presence, have their own dreams for success. Come on, the Socceroos! Well, Schwartz has mentioned Nathaniel Atkinson's injury. Obviously, uh, he wasn't at his greatest against Mbappe, or maybe he was in Mbappe's class, just uh, shone through on the day. But uh, to change up the starting 11, Tommy Orr, let's go to you. It creates uh, a couple of challenges for Australia. Definitely. I mean, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll see probably a few more changes than that. I'm not sure exactly what Arnie will be thinking, but... I think for me, the you know personnel aside, the the big thing in this game will be making sure that we can impose ourselves um, on the match for for the duration of the match. It's not only you know we saw it in the first twenty minutes against France what we're capable of doing, and um, after that, I mean, you know it's well documented that what happened and how we got caught too deep and kind of you know just backs against the wall, um, you know trying trying to not lose by too many goals and I think it's important not to fall into that trap because we know Tunisia is going to come out you know 100 miles an hour and put us under a lot of pressure and there's no doubt in this game that we will have to defend you know for, for some long moments of the game but we need to find a way to make sure that we can still you know offer something going forward at the other end and I think that'll be the key in this game there might be some changes in the front third I expect maybe Abu Mabil to come in 
into the lineup. But yeah, I think for me, it's it's all about that. It's all about uh, in going forward in the attack. How can we have impose ourselves on this match more than we did in the first game? Yeah, I, to- I totally agree that the transition is going to be key because. Like Denmark, uh, you know, found out in, in the first game, you know, Tunisia, as you said, is going to, you know, come steaming forward. They're, they're going to have a home field advantage with all the supporters. You know, probably the heat is going to suit them a little bit uh, as well. So, so you, you, you'll have to stand, stand up uh, to, to that pressure um, and then try to hit them on the counterattack. And I think that's where Denmark found a bit of luck as well. And, and then hope as the game progresses that you can get a foothold and, and, and slowly you know, work your way in. And, you know, for Australia, it's, it's obviously, you can't lose this game, but on paper, you, you, you have to try and win it as well. You know, you have to try to get three points, uh, which will put you in a good position against Denmark. So, Tommy, how does Australia mentally prepare for this game? Coming off the France game, not the result that we wanted. There's been plenty of commentary out there. Um, we're going into this with the pressure on our shoulders, Australia, thinking if there's any game in this group that we should be able to win, it's this one. And I have no doubt that Tunisia is probably thinking uh, exactly the same thing in reverse. Uh, we've seen the crowds of Tunisians packing the stadium. How do you block all of that out? Is this more about self-belief and mental game than it is technical and tactical out there on the pitch? Absolutely. I mean, obviously the atmosphere we, we saw in the first game against Denmark was fantastic. But I think the, the Socceroos, you know, when, when, when we've played our qualifiers in the Asian Confederation in the likes of Jordan and these types of things, we're, we're used to those kind of adverse or those difficult environments to play in. So I don't think that'll have too much of an impact on the players. I think they'll be really focused on the job at hand. But I think that the biggest challenge in this game is going to be the football. I think that Tunisia proved in the first game how good they are and how technically capable they are in the front third. And I think that having a really good start in this game is going to be crucial because, you know, if Tunisia gets an early goal, all of a sudden we have to open up and that kind of plays into Tunisia's hands as well. So if we concede early, I can see it being potentially a long day at the office. But, you know, I think if we can keep it goalless, I think the longer the game goes on, the more chances we'll have to hurt them at the other end. Well, all eyes will be a wide open come 9pm tonight and we wish our Socceroos the best of luck as they line up against Tunisia. We will be back tomorrow, of course, to break that one down for you. Either way, the other matches overnight. Tommy Sorensen, let's go to you for this one. Denmark taking on France. What is going to happen here? <laughs> you know, I hope we can get a point in this one. Um, you know, I think, the, you know, the last two games we played against, uh, against them in, in the Nations League, we've, we've had good experiences. We won in Paris and we won in Copenhagen. Uh, but we know what we're up against. We, we also rode our luck. You know, Mbappe, you can't contain him for 90 minutes. Uh, I think what we, where we can take a bit of strength is that, you know, our back line is really strong. I think, uh, you know, Joachim Andersen uh, plays in the Premier League. you got Christensen at Barcelona and then Simon Kerr. I'm, I'm presuming that we'll... Start with a back three, back five, uh, like we did against Tunisia, just to get into the game. And, you know, we will create chances. I don't think France are that great defensively. And I think their midfield is, is not as good as when they have Kante in there, even Pogba. 
So, um, so I see our chances. But again, a little bit like Australia, we, we need to make sure that we don't go behind early and have to chase the game. We, we need to stay in the game and then I'm sure we'll get our chances. Yeah, I think the Socceroos game obviously is is going to be played before that game, and I think the you know the result in the Socceroos game will, will really shape the dynamics of the group as well. Because you know if Tunisia gets a really strong result, obviously against the Socceroos, then all of a sudden that France game becomes a lot more important for for the Danish team as well. So uh, I think that'll definitely play a role in in how maybe the two teams approach that game. Certainly will be a big one and very important for the connotations and the rest of the group. Argentina also lining up against Mexico. Will Messi and Argentina be able to bounce back? Tommy Sorensen. You know, they have to. <laughs> you know, that, that was a shock defeat. And, and just the way the games sort of after that dominant first half, the way Saudi Arabia totally outdominated them in, in the second, I think took a lot of people and, and myself included. Uh, I was shocked, really. And so, you know, I'm still looking for Argentina to progress. But, you know, Mexico, it's a bit of a local rivalry in, in that region. Uh, and they're not going to lie down. I thought they were... They played some good stuff against Poland uh, in that first game. And, uh, you know, it's going to be another tough one. Uh, but, you know, everyone will be looking at Messi. I thought he was a bit subdued in the first game, um, you know, for him to step up. You know, they really need him in this one uh, to unlock this Mexico team. And, and I still got confidence in him. I, I still think they've got enough and to get a, a, a tight win in this, uh, in this fixture. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think I think the the difficulties for Argentina if they do come in this game will be defensively because we know Mexico going forward with the likes of Lozano and these types of players, I think that they can cause some real headache, headaches for the um, Argentina defense. But you know, I think if Argentina plays with the ball the way that we know they're capable of, then I can't. I think that'll you know they they can nullify that threat completely and dominate the game with the ball, and you know, hopefully create lots of chances and score some goals. But for sure, I think this is a, a very much a banana peel for Argentina as well. Yeah, it could be very interesting, couldn't it? And Saudi Arabia facing off against Poland. The Saudis will be looking to guarantee their progression, Tommy, after that that good performance against Argentina. The, the Poland side will pose a completely different kind of challenge to Saudi Arabia than, than Argentina did, you know. Uh, obviously, Argentina's got the more obvious firepower, but, you know, the Poland will be very disciplined, very organised, you know, very methodical in their play. And obviously we saw Lewandowski miss the penalty in the first game, and I'm sure he's got, you know, he'll, he'll want to impose himself on this tournament and make a mark. So, I mean, if Saudi can get a good result in this game, I think, um, yeah, that can be they can be one of the unexpected surprises in this tournament and perhaps make a case to be there towards the end of the tournament. But, um, yeah, for, for me, I think this will be an interesting game and, yeah, I still think that Poland might win this game. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia have to be tactically astute and, and smart in this one because Poland will sit back a bit more and, and then, you know, look, looking at Zelensky, Milik, you know, looking at some of these uh, players that are strong on the counter-attack, uh, especially also with their wing-backs, you know, that, uh, and that's where we saw Saudi Arabia being a bit, bit open with that high line. Um, so, you know, they need to make sure they don't get sucked in, uh, with, with Poland and then, you know, hit in behind. So I, I agree. I think Poland will, uh, will snatch this one. Well, one thing all I'm asking for, uh, regardless of results tonight, is goals, please, because I'm sick of playing out all these scoreless draws. The only thing that the scoreless draws have provided us, of course, is some 
um, really scintillating matchups in the in the third game of the group games to determine who will go through. And I think um, you know that's always great to keep the excitement alive for as long as we possibly can. Thank you so much, Thomas Sorensen, Tommy Orr, and Mark Schwartzer for your time this morning. Oh, it's been brilliant. Let's hope for some more goals. <laughs> That's right, Tommy. We'll be back, of course, to unpack all of these games tomorrow. The Gagan Pod is daily during the World Cup, so make sure you hit subscribe whenever, you, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also rate us five stars while you're there. I'm your host, Amy Duggan. I'll be back with you soon. Speak to you then on the Optusport Football Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Gagan Pod. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.